and uh, I think I've had to cut my grass maybe once in the last month and a half. That's been nice, but um, I'm afraid that if someone were to uh, throw a cigarette out in my front yard, it would just be engulfed in flames because that's about how dry it is out there. But nonetheless, um, it's been a great past couple of weeks. I've really enjoyed our time in Sunday school going through the book of Acts and looking forward to getting back into Acts, the 14th chapter this morning, that's where we'll be at. And uh, let's just go to prayer before we start our lesson this morning. God, we thank you for the opportunity that you have blessed us with to be here in this place. We thank you for the freedoms and the liberties that you have blessed us with to be able to gather together in your name and freely go through your word without fear of persecution or retaliation. I pray, God, that you would... Bless our time together, open your word to us, open our mind and our hearts to understanding that we can see and receive and understand what you have for us in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Last week, we went through the book, uh, or the chapter number 13 in the book of Acts, and that was the beginning of Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey, and we went through that first missionary journey, or part of that first missionary journey, and I encouraged us to read the rest of Acts 13. You find that that Paul preaches a message there and the effects that that message had, but this first missionary journey that Paul and Barnabas uh, took, specifically Paul, went on, um, we, we find that chapter 13 and chapter 14 is is where that missionary journey is recorded. And the places, some of the places that they went to on this missionary journey were were Salamis, Paphos, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe, and then we find that they returned back to Jerusalem. And so here in chapter number 14, this region that Paul is traveling in during this time is the southern portion of the Roman province of Galatia. And the corresponding epistle that Paul would later write to these churches is the letter to the Galatians. So we find that this is the region that that Paul is traveling through on this first missionary journey. And then we know that Paul wrote uh, the, the book of Galatians, and it was a letter to the churches in this area that were founded started, established here on this first missionary journey. And Paul dealt very directly and pointedly with the Judaizers, or Judaizers, who were Jews who were attempting to bring the New Testament believers back under the scope of the Mosaic Law. So Paul has gone on this first missionary journey, is establishing these churches, preaching and um, converting people, and then at some point in time, they try to go back uh, under the law. And so Paul writes this book, this letter uh, of Galatians to the church and churches in Galatia. So we're going to start at Acts 14 and verse number 1. I invite uh, someone to read some of those scriptures for me, if someone would like, starting at verse number 1. Um, I currently do not see one. You want to read that, Noah? 
We'll have Bible sword drill this morning. First one that gets there. Remember those days in Sunday school. Seven. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude both of the Jews and also of the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil, perfected against the brethren. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made, both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers, to use them despitefully and to stone them. They were aware of it and fled unto Lystria and Derbe, cities of Laconia, and unto the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. All right, good job. There are some very difficult words to pronounce. Uh, in the book of Acts, and you did an admirable job, Noah. Iconium was a city that was located in the Roman district of Galatian, or modern-day Turkey. The city was about 90 miles east of Antioch. It had been transformed into a city-state by the Greeks. A large church was established in Iconium, and a great multitude of both Jews and Greeks believed. But again, the church was founded in the midst of unbelief and persecution. You find that this is a repetitive theme uh, in, in the establishing of these churches of where the disciples, Paul and Barnabas, and when they're going out and they're preaching and, and, and teaching, that it seems like it's in the midst of unbelief and in persecution. They have people... Um, that come against them, that question, that try to attack the message. And then you find that they finally will get so angry and upset that they begin to try to persecute them. But despite the opposition, Paul and Barnabas were able to remain in the city for a long time, rooting and establishing the believers in the faith. Eventually, their lives were threatened and they were forced to flee. So, some things to note about the Iconium Church is it was founded on Paul's first missionary journey, which is what we're discussing and going through last Sunday and then today. It was revisited by Paul on his return trip. It was visited by Paul and Silas and Timothy on, on Paul's second missionary journey. And he also visited the city on his third missionary journey. So this was a place that Paul visited frequently. Um, you find in the recordings of, of Acts that this was a place that, that he had gone to on multiple occasions. And so you find that, that the conversion of these sinners that, that Paul was having success with, um, it took place because of two unique things that Paul and Barnabas were committed to. They were committed to unity and they were committed to preaching. Last Sunday we talked about how it seemed to be a pattern of Paul's that when he went into these areas, these cities to, um, to preach and to teach that he first went to the synagogues and 
preached to the Jews first. And you find that here in chapter 14 that that's the first place that he went to. He comes to Iconium and he goes to the synagogue and he begins to, to preach to the Jews. And so you find that he is committed to preaching and spirit Empowered preaching is not something that just takes place because an individual decides to get up and preach. It is not human ability or talent that um, a gifted speaker possesses and they just decide that they're going to get up and use that gift that they have. But a real preacher, one that we, we find... Um, encompasses the life of Paul, um, has been filled with the Spirit and has become a channel by which the Holy Ghost can flow through and the results of this will be the building up of the church. You find that the Spirit flowed through Paul. It flowed out of Paul. It was Paul that was Spirit-led, that was empowered and enabled by the Spirit to preach and to minister. Paul would have never been able to experience the successes that he had in the kingdom of God just by his own doings. But it was the hand of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord that was upon Paul. Paul was, when you read about Paul and you study his life, you find an individual that was sold out to God, sold out to the work of God, sold out to telling others about Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ and you find that he was an individual that was sensitive and spirit led. He was on a mission for God. He was on a mission for the kingdom of God. And so out of Paul's mouth came words that were persuasive. They were forceful and they were trustworthy. Uh, Paul just like all of the other apostles they did not mince any words. These were men that were bold and courageous. They were not uh, afraid or fearful of repercussions or retaliation or persecution that might come as a result of what they were preaching and what they were teaching and what they were endeavoring to do for God. But they stepped out in boldness and they preached and they taught and they kept their hand to the plow, plowing forward even through resistance and even through opposition and even through threatenings and even through physical harm. All of these things surrounded uh, the work of the Lord in their life, but they kept moving forward. They kept pushing forward. And what a great example that is for us that, that we can, even in the face of adversity and opposition and, and uh, persecution that we can keep pressing forward, we can keep moving forward, we can keep marching forward to seeking to achieve the things that God has called for us to do. Paul's words were deeply connected to the Holy Ghost so that the highest powers of Paul's life were not human intellect, education, or intelligence, but a deeply rooted faith in God. And Paul certainly was uh, an intelligent Man, He certainly was one that was uh, intellectual and one that was educated. And certainly those things were uh, valuable in Paul's life. But the most valuable thing that Paul had was a life that was deeply rooted. A faith that was deeply rooted in God. And we could study all of the books that, that Harvard has on their bookshelves. 
We could, stu we could study all of the writings that the Library of Congress has, and we could um, put those things on the forefront of our mind. And certainly those things would be of uh, great blessing to us it, to some capacity. And certainly they would help us in certain areas of life. But even more important than all of the writings and all of the books of man is us having a deep-rooted faith in God, when we believe in God, trust in God, seek God first in our life, uh, this it gives opportunity, it gives um, a pathway for the Spirit of God to speak to us, to speak through us, to move through us, and we can have an effect on those around us, on the world around us. We know that preaching is God's method to convert the sinner and to mature the saint. Preaching, it's by the, the Bible says it's through the, by the foolishness of preaching that, that, that God chose to, to, to save the lost. It's through the preached word of God. And you find that Paul is one that preached the word of God. Acts 14 and 3, we see that their response, we find that Peter, and, or excuse me, Paul and Verse number one, then he goes and, and he preaches. And the Bible says that a great multitude, both of Jews and of Greeks, believed. So through the preached word, there was a multitude. That's a lot of people. Many people, more than just one, believed uh, what he was preaching. They believed the message. But verse number two says, The unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil, affected against the brethren. So you find that the preached word was going forth and that there were people that were uh, angry. There were people that were uh, upset by the message that was being preached, that was um, upset by what was going forth. And so they began to stir up those around them. How many people in our life have we encountered where we're trying to give them a word of testimony? We're trying to... Um, do something good for them. We're trying to expound on the word of God and there's naysayers in the background that's, that's trying to sow seeds of discord, that's trying to sow seeds of division, that's trying to affect their mind, that's trying to keep them um, from believing the good things of the Lord. And so that is what Paul and Barnabas are encountering here. And so the Bible says in verse number 3, that a long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So we see that their response to the persecution and evil speaking that was thrown against them, they were not intimidated by the opposition that came against them. They spoke boldly in the Lord. So picture yourself being in the shoes of Paul and Barnabas. And God has called you to preach his word. And here you are in this uh, city, Iconium. You're preaching the word of God. And there's people that have risen up against you seeking to uh, physically harm you, to destroy you, to uh, hurt you. And your response to that is to speak boldly, to 
to speak even more boldly. In boldness, you continue to speak. In boldness, you continue to preach. It's just, um, it just does something to me to, to imagine Paul that in the face of physical adversity that he refuses to back down. He refuses to be intimidated, but instead he continues to declare the word of the Lord because the Bible says that boldly he was speaking in the Lord. Boldness is what enables the church to thrive in moments of antagonism. There's a spirit of the world that will come even against the church today. Those that have put uh, God first in their life. And it's seeking even today in the culture that we find ourselves living in. That they are seeking to, to silence the voice of the church. And silence the voice of believers. And silence the voice of those that would try to live out their faith. And live out the word of God. But our response is not to be one that cowards or shies back, or takes a step back, or sits down, or closes their mouth up, but we can use Paul and Barnabas as our example and say, you know what, they didn't cower down, but they declared in boldness, they spoke in boldness, they continued to preach in boldness, because boldness is what enables the church to thrive in moments of persecution. Boldness is what enables us to thrive. The unbelieving Jews here in this uh, scripture passage began to stir up the people with a grumbling opposition that soon roared into a fire so much so that Paul and Barnabas had to flee to Lystra. So they, they began to, their, their attacks and their um, persecution on Paul and Barnabas began to grow so much that it caused Barnabas and Paul to have to leave that area and so they went to Lystra. The, the word unbelieving in the Greek means to not allow oneself to be persuaded, to refuse or withhold belief, to refuse belief and obedience and not to comply with. The idea is that they were literally unwilling to believe or to be persuaded. It was these unbelieving Jews, they refused to believe. Have you ever met someone in your life that just refused to believe? The light bulb went off in, in, their, in their mind and they could see. They could see what the Bible said. They could see what the scripture said. It was there in black and white. It was as easy as ABC 1, 2, 3, but yet they would not allow themselves to believe because it might cost them something. They may have to give up something. It may require some sacrifice of them. So it's just easier for them to shut off their mind, close their eyes, stop up their ears, and refuse to believe. And that's what these unbelieving Jews were doing. They were refusing to believe because believing would require obedience, it would require compliance, it would require change, it would require giving up some things. And so they, they refused. And so in their refusal it caused them to stir up the Gentiles. It caused them to go try to recruit some people to, to, to gather together and come against these two men that are preaching this message that we just cannot allow ourselves to accept. And so they begin to stir up the Gentiles. 
And so you find that this grew into such a situation that Paul and Barnabas had to leave that area. And so there have been the great works of conversion as well as signs and wonders taking place. But here Paul and Barnabas are confronted with the very fact that there are those who will hinder the work of God in any giving, given setting. Whether it is a large revival or a harvest like that in Alconium, we find it can be true in the local church. We find that it can be true in an individual believer that when you're seeking to do a work for God, when the Spirit of God is moving and great revival is taking place in an individual's life or in an individual church that an enemy will seek to divide, will seek to destroy, will seek to oppose, will seek to rise up against. And that's when we can draw strength from those that have been set up as examples for our lives, such as Paul and Barnabas, that they kept marching, they kept reaching, they kept preaching, they kept teaching, even in the face of closed doors, even with the answer of no, even with the refusal of I won't believe, I'm not going to allow myself to believe. They kept preaching. They kept reaching. They kept teaching. They kept marching. They kept moving forward. And we have to do the same in our life. We keep preaching. We keep teaching. We keep reaching. We keep marching. We keep sowing seeds. Even in situations like that. So they rose up against them. I want to invite... Brother Phillips to read Acts 14 and 8 through 10 for us. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his speech, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never had walked. Who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. Amen. So Paul and Barnabas, they're in Iconium. They're under immense attack. Persecution is coming at them. And it could have discouraged them to the point to where they said, You know what, I'm just going home. You know what, I'm just giving up. You know what, it's just not worth the trouble. You know what, it must not be uh, meant to be. But that's not the attitude that they have because they were fully persuaded in what God had called them to do. They were fully persuaded in the work of the Lord. So they left that place and they said, you know what, we're going to go to another place. And so they find themselves at, at Lystra. And in this scripture that that Pastor Phillips just read, they, they encountered this man who was impotent. He was a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. And so the same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up right on thy feet. And he leaped and he walked. Isn't that amazing that this man who was crippled and lame from birth, Paul was able to detect that this man's got a seed of faith. This man's got an element of belief in his life. And, and Paul uh, built upon that and told him to stand upright. 
And the man stood up. He was healed from this defect that he had from birth. Now Paul would have never experienced this miraculous power of God on display if he had given up. If he had not pushed forward. Even in resistance. Even in opposition. Even in persecution. If he had not pushed forward he would not experience the miraculous power of God. God. So it's encouraging to us that if we keep pushing forward, if we keep pressing forward, we too can believe that God can and will perform the miraculous in our life and in our ministry and in our work for his kingdom as well. So it's when Paul and Barnabas read Lystra that they come in contact with some who are in need. We find that the Bible does not mention them going to a synagogue so we can deduce from that that there must not have been a synagogue in this region because Paul always made it a point to, um, to visit um, the synagogue first. But you find that Paul was still preaching and we find that there was a cripple that was in need and then you find that Paul gives this command for healing. And the effect that it had on those people in that area. And it was because Paul and Barnabas did not give up. I want to encourage us today to not give up. Because that is what the spirit of the world, the spirit of Antichrist is wanting the church to do. And that is to give up. But there is power in and, and glory that comes from the heavenly of heavens when we do not give up. Does somebody want to read verses 11 through 14? saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lycaonia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates, and would have them sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out. Alright, so we find that after this miracle had taken place with the crippled man's healing, the response of the people of Lystra was incredible. Paul and Barnabas were suddenly being lifted to the level of mythological gods. Barnabas was equated with Jupiter, which is Zeus, and Paul was recognized as Mercurius, which is Hermes. Barnabas was named this because the people received him as the one with the power and Paul picked up his name because he was the spokesman. So you find that this miracle took place and the audience of people that saw this happen, they began to try to make it something that it wasn't. And that happens so many times that when the power of God happens, a miracle takes place, the work of the Spirit goes forth, that people try to make it something that it wasn't. And it can become a distraction. And so it... It upset Paul, it upset Barnabas because 
the people were trying to make it something that it wasn't. They were trying to turn them into something that they are not or that they were not. And so there was confusion there. The enemy will always try to confuse. The enemy will always try to confuse when the Spirit of God is moving and working. Try to blur the lines. That's exactly right. And so we find that this is a temptation that's ever present uh, in every one of our lives where we can, for lack of better uh, vocabulary, we can try to steal the spotlight, if you will, or take away some of the glory from God where we make it about ourselves and not about Him. But everything's got to point back towards Him. And I think that's what's... Uh, an amazing attribute of Paul and of Barnabas is that, like Pastor Phillips said, they're being elevated to God-like status in these people's eyes, but yet they never bought into that. It could have been very easy for them to have uh, yielded their life to that and stayed right there in that moment and allowed these people to worship them, build them up, give them great riches and glory, and they could have stayed in that vein and in that moment. But yet they resisted that, trying to direct everyone's attention back to God, back to Jesus Christ, back to the main mission, back to the main purpose, which is Him, which is His gospel. And that says a lot about them because every one of us likes that pat on the back. Every one of us likes that compliment. It's our human nature but Paul and Barnabas resisted that temptation and directed everyone's attention back to God. And so verses 15 through 18 says, this is Paul here saying, Sirs, why do you these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God which made heaven and earth and the sea and all the things that are therein who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons filling our hearts with food and gladness and with these sayings scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. So what do they do? They go back to preaching about God. That he is the creator of the heavens and of the earth. It's all about him. Don't make sacrifice to us. We, we sacrifice to him. It's all about him. Our attention, our efforts, our energies, our abilities. Everything is about him. I love that they, that they were trying to bring their attention back to him. And verses 19 through 20 says, And there came 
thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul drew him out of the city supposing he had been dead. So remember those people that were opposing Paul and Barnabas? Now they have gathered together, assembled together a mob if you will and they've gone after Paul, they've gone after Barnabas and they have hunted them down. And it says that when they came uh, to Lystra, when it, they came to the place that they were at, they began to persuade the people that, hey, these men are teaching a false doctrine, don't believe what they're preaching, they're sowing seeds of discord and deceit and lies, and what do they do? The Bible says that they, that they brought Paul, drew him out of the city, and they stoned him, and they left him there thinking that he was dead. The Bible says in verse 20, Howbeit as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. So they stoned him, left him there thinking he was dead, but through the power of God, he was raised up. And what did he do? He departed and went to another city. The man was stoned and left for dead, and he still did not let that take him off of his course, detour him off of his course. But he stayed the course, stayed the mission, and persevered. That's just amazing that even under gross physical attacks that he still pressed forward. Verses 21 and 22 says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and it taught many they returned again to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God so here they are they go they've been they've been stoned they've been lied on they've been talked about every form of attack that a human being could ever uh, expect to receive by detractors of the gospel of Jesus Christ. These men experienced every element of it. And what did they do? They stayed the mission. They converted many. They set up churches. They, they built churches. They established churches because their faith was deeply rooted in God. I go back to what I said earlier that it wasn't, it wasn't Paul's... Uh, intellect, it wasn't his um, education, it was his faith in God. If he had relied only on his education, if he had relied only on his personal intellect, he would have uh, given up a long time ago. But it was because he had a deep-rooted faith in God, and it caused him to keep the course. If we're, gonna, if we're going to uh, allow anything in our life to be the driving force behind why we do what we do. Let it be our faith in God. Other things can play a part. Other things can provide necessary means in certain situations. But at the end of the day, it's got to be our faith in God and our faith alone that drives us, that is the vehicle that causes us to do what we do. Amen? Stand with me this morning. I... Don't know about you, but I greatly enjoyed going through Paul's first missionary journey and seeing everything that Paul and Barnabas went through. That was some 2,000 years ago that they went on that first missionary journey and they experienced the things that they, they experienced. And you know what? Every one of us in our life, we're on a missionary journey. Every one of us, every day. Whether we 
uh, understand it or not, whether we realize it or not, every one of us is on a missionary journey, and God has commissioned every one of us, called every one of us to be a missionary for his kingdom. And just like Paul and Barnabas, you can expect to be rejected. You can expect to be persecuted. You can expect to be lied on. But just know that it's your faith, your firm faith in God that will keep you when nothing else will. Let's pray. Mighty God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have given us and shown us. We thank you, Lord, for the strength that comes through your word and from your word. We thank you, God, for all of your goodness and mercy in our life, Lord. We pray, God, that you would keep us in your